This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice podcast, your bi-weekly source of news, views, and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who has had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. This week's episode would have been brought to you from Chicago, where the 80th ADA scientific sessions were scheduled to take place. However, following the pandemic and current global situation, the conference has pivoted to a virtual experience, providing five days of education to any remote learner. While this has afforded unprecedented access to attendees, it has also meant a large volume of education that can be difficult to navigate. Fortunately, we've gained interviews with a number of leading experts, covering both key highlights from this conference and their experiences with the digital format. First, we join Professor Tina Vilsbol for a discussion of her presentations and her experiences of the digital format. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Professor Vilsbol. So could you tell us a bit more about what you presented at this year's scientific sessions? Yes, I have uh, quite a, a, um, an amount of different presentation. I was invited myself to give a talk at a symposium, half an hour, talking about GLP-1 and its potential as add-on medication to patients with type 1 diabetes. Then I have some of my PhD students presenting orals. Um, some of it is about, about heart and echo and, and plasma glucose. Uh, and others are patients who've had pancreatectomy. I think we have in total five or six oral presentations at the conference. And then we have quite a few um, poster presentations. Some of them are, well, it's very different topics, mainly type 2 diabetes, some are in monogenetic diabetes, and some of them are also in, in obesity. And then I have some, some projects in which I've collaborated with pharma. So one of them is with Sun Pharma looking into a new TLP1, hopefully coming up uh, some years from now for, for patients with diabetes and maybe also obesity. And then I have some posters with Novo Nordisk as well. So it will be, a, a, a unfortunately, virtual, but, but busy ADA in, in many aspects. Thank you. And looking at other data being presented at the Congress, what do you think is the most important or exciting thing at this year's ADA? Well, in respect to, well, I, when I, it, it is really a pity that it's virtual this year, because for me, going to the ADA is, of course, Seeing the most hot and 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 interesting signs on the podiums and and also having discussion in the poster discussions, um, I do myself uh, try to get updated at some of the invited talks of which I'm giving one myself because it's one and a half hour sessions where you have. Uh, different professors giving an overview of their specific topic. I am unfortunately, I, I, I think it will be difficult this year because it will not be the same. Uh, but I'm in the session that I'm I'm giving a talk in. It's it's the type one session with GLP one. There I'll also see uh, Chantal Mathieu uh, talk about SGLT two and and metformin in type one diabetes patients, and that is indeed interesting. But we'll also see more updates in respect to the implications of of all the new guidelines that we have. Um, how are they taking up in the in the different countries? Um, and then, of course, all the poster sessions, which have this year been been changed a little bit in concept. So, so you had the opportunity actually to show, show some slides. I hope I will get to sit down and see the the presentations, but I'm not sure that it will be with the same um, 
focus as, as previously years. So I do indeed hope that it's only this year. Um, and I'm looking forward to see all my colleagues in, in real life next year. Wonderful. Thank you. Finally, can you see any benefits for this year's format in terms of accessibility, perhaps, for people who can't travel? And do you see any potential future for a more hybrid approach where there is both a live and digital component? I think the concept about things going online immediately during the conference is, is a really good idea. And it will for sure make it easier for new and hot stuff and new science to to get even further out worldwide. Um, so I think that, you know, us getting used to talking to a, a camera and being more interactive in, in respect to, to that is, is good. But I still do indeed hope that there will still be room for us meeting because a lot of things is going on on the podiums uh, and we have interactions with the chairmen and so on. But it is just as much as me sitting next to a colleague talking about, wow, that's interesting. Should we design another project looking into another aspect of, of the results that we see right here? So, so ADA is about science, but it's also about, you know, new science being built uh, at the discussions and, and when you see people in a virtual, no, in a real life compared to a virtual life. But I, I respect the aspect of, you know, the, the science getting out to a larger population by, by, the, by the electronic uh, format. Excellent. Thank you for your time. We now join Dr. Ronald Goldenberg for his take on the conference. So thanks for joining us remotely, uh, Dr. Goldenberg. So first of all, what do you think was the most important new piece of data presented at ADA? And how do you think it will influence practice? So ADA 2020 was very interesting. Uh, first of all, it was a virtual format. So all of us watched it from our homes or uh, offices. Uh, personally, I found that excellent because you can actually watch more sessions uh, in a efficient fashion than you could otherwise in a live uh, meeting. Uh, but uh, Bertus TV was the, you know, the major buzz uh, trial that was presented, but there were a lot of other smaller uh, trials that were of interest uh, to myself. Uh, I was actually a, a co-author of a phase two trial with an emerging once weekly insulin called ICADEC. And uh, I think that has a tremendous uh, future and the once weekly insulin was shown to be quite similar to insulin glargine U100 in a phase uh, two trial. The difference being that the once weekly administration of Icatec would be a very patient friendly way of delivering uh, basal insulin with far fewer injections. So be interested to see the phase three results of insulin uh, Icadec, which are uh, currently, uh, trials are currently underway. Uh, the other trial that's quite relevant to myself as a diabetes specialist was the diabetes subgroup of analysis of a study called Reduce It. Uh, Reduce It was a very large randomized uh, trial of a uh, purified uh, eicosapentaenoic uh, acid, uh, which is an omega-3 uh, fatty acid. And uh, about 60% of the patients in Reduce It actually had type 2 diabetes with another uh, risk factor. And what they showed is that two grams twice daily of icosapent uh, uh, ethyl uh, compared to placebo in the diabetes group uh, led to a major uh, reduction in cardiovascular events. Uh, and in fact, with a very tremendous absolute 
benefit. So icosapenethyl is actually approved in Canada, the United States, and I know it's going to be approved probably in many other areas around the world. Uh, the population in that trial were individuals at high risk with triglycerides of 1.5 millimoles per liter or higher. So now we're basically adding on icosapenethyl to patients already on statin therapy who have suppressed LDL cholesterols, but triglycerides above 1.5 millimoles per liter. So I found that very exciting because this agent targets residual risk in our statin-treated patients with diabetes who have highish uh, triglycerides. Uh, the other tidbit of uh, information was uh, a trial called AWARD-11, which studied high doses of the GLP-1 uh, receptor agonist uh, dulaglutide. So you probably know that the approved doses are 0.75 or 1.5 milligrams uh, once weekly. And it was actually the 1.5 milligram dose that showed cardiovascular benefit in the Rewind trial. But in award 11, they uh, studied higher doses of dulaglutide, uh, 3 milligram and a 4.5 uh, milligram dose, which are not yet approved. But these doses did show greater efficacy on A1C and body weight uh, compared to the maximal dose of currently approved uh, dulaglutide. So we look forward to perhaps approval of the higher doses of uh, dulaglutide to further lower A1C and body weight uh, in, our, in our patients. So those were a few of the very interesting uh, trials of many that were presented at the ADA uh, virtual meeting. Marvelous. It sounds like a very interesting time you've been having. And um, you mentioned this briefly at the beginning, uh, that you were enjoying the virtual format. Do you think that perhaps this kind of virtual remote access to the conference should be explored further in coming years, perhaps alongside a live event? Yes, as you know, James, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, the world has changed on many levels. And certainly one of the big changes is how we disseminate medical education and information. Uh, the nice thing about the virtual format is you can reach uh, a much wider population virtually than you would at a live meeting. There's a lot of uh, flexibility to observe uh, different uh, studies uh, at your own pace, at your own time. Uh, but of course, you don't have that personal connection with your colleagues and your peers. Um, it's not quite the same as interacting on a uh, chat forum that it is in a live meeting. So I think moving uh, forward, uh, there, there still will be live meetings, but I do think more and more meetings will have a virtual uh, format. And I think uh, the ADA really did this uh, very uh, successfully. And a lot of the buzz conversation amongst my peers is that uh, most of us really enjoyed uh, the virtual format this year. Excellent. And just at the last bit there, you mentioned that it is missing the personal touch or the ability to interact with your colleagues. Do you have any ideas on how to address that in the future? Or perhaps any ideas of how that could be better used during these more virtual remote experiences? So there was the opportunity to ask questions at the virtual meeting on a, a chat box uh, with uh, people typing their responses. Uh, but again, it's not the same as the personal uh, conversation. I, I guess if we could break out into uh, smaller meet the expert uh, sessions and 
uh, live interact uh, in a meet the professor uh, format, that would be uh, quite acceptable to uh, people and would kind of add more of a uh, personal touch. And I think there'll be probably more of that in uh, virtual uh, meetings moving forward. Uh, but we're all we're all learning uh, with this. Uh, organizations are uh, learning and changing their uh, structure for these meetings, and uh, I think they'll refine it moving forward as we adapt to this post uh, COVID nineteen world. Excellent. Thanks for joining us again. Now, thank you, James. It's always a pleasure uh, discussing hot information with you. Maybe we can chat again later after EASD or other. Uh, big meetings. Oh, definitely. We'll be sure to dial you back in for such meetings. Finally, we join Dr. Chris Cannon for a discussion of the key highlight of the ADA conference, the Virtus CV trial. So first of all, I know it's a bit of a tall order, but could you please summarize the key findings of the Virtus CV trial that you presented earlier in the week? The Virtus CV trial looked at uh, another one of the SGLT2 inhibitors, urticlaflozin, in patients with established cardiovascular disease and diabetes, and set out to demonstrate cardiovascular safety, which it did. It, it was non-inferior and thus met criteria for the FDA. Um, we went on to then test to see if it would be superior for several endpoints. Cardiovascular death or heart failure as a combination was the first, and that just missed uh, on having a significant reduction. Um, and so officially then further statistical testing wasn't done. Um, what we found uh, overall was that cardiovascular death was uh, a hazard ratio of 0.92, so just slightly lower, but not significant. Uh, but heart failure was about 30% lower um, and so a significant difference if tested uh, statistically. Um, and then looked also at renal endpoints and are just starting those analyses. Uh, again, had a trend towards benefit on the first pre-specified renal endpoint, but when looking at the uh, preservation of glomerular function, the, the EGFR, that was uh, highly significant uh, in terms of preserving renal function. And so we showed cardiovascular safety, uh, had just trends on some of the endpoints, but the general pattern of what we saw was similar to what was seen in other uh, large trials. And similarly, the safety profile was similar to what's been seen in, in all the other uh, various studies largely. I see. Thank you. And yes, the session also presented a meta-analysis of all the SGLT2 trials discussing how everything did seem to be in line with the trends there. Uh, your colleague also demonstrated significance in terms of a p-value and an I-squared score of heterogeneity. For the benefit of those who weren't able to attend the session, could you uh, perhaps talk a little more about that or summarize the key points? Sure. The meta-analysis, I think, is uh, was terrific to put in perspective uh, these findings from Verda CV, but also then look at the up-to-the-minute uh, totality of the evidence. And what was seen was that for major adverse cardiac events, it was a hazard ratio of 0 0.90, so 10% lower, so just a modest difference on MACE. 
cardiovascular death also just barely made significance. But interestingly, had heterogeneity, um, the I-square value was 66%, which was high. Um, and there, the standout was the large reduction in the EMPA-REG trial, whereas um, two of the other trials um, had no significant difference, um, two or three even. Um, and so, um, you know, there... Uh, we tend to think of the first finding of reducing cardiovascular death, but that's not been seen across the various trials. In contrast, heart failure was significantly reduced by 30 to 35% in just about every one of the trials. So uh, no heterogeneity at all in, in that finding. Um, and then similarly, the renal endpoint, the definitions varied trial to trial, but uh, using each trial's primary, there's a significant uh, improvement in the renal endpoints as well. Um, so I think a nice pattern that we've seen and reaffirmed now incorporating all of the trial data uh, to date. Marvelous, thank you. And lastly, we've been asking everybody this, but what did you think of the virtual format of this year's meeting? Is it something you'd want to see more of in the future? Well, I, I certainly want to see more of it if the virus is not yet contained. Um, so I think it's it was wonderful to be able to have a full meeting. Um, I have to admit, I didn't attend much of it because I'm busy at home. And, and uh, so I'm guilty on, on not participating as much. But in the sessions that I did participate in I thought were wonderful. Um, in particular, having the chat function live throughout all the presentation really allows a very engaged back and forth with the audience. Um, and so we reflected that, you know, we were able to answer probably five or ten times more questions uh, in this format than we would have been able to in a live format. So in that sense, it's almost better. Um, and, you know, the exchange of information is largely the same. So um, I think that's also been, been a big plus. Um, you know, obviously you're not there chatting and bumping into people, uh, you know, and, and coming up with ideas on the, on the side, which sometimes happens at real meetings. Um, but, um, but I think overall it was very well done and I, I definitely do see much more of this in the future. Um, I guess the final point is that, uh, the the overall number of people who participate in the meetings, uh, done this fashion has been, you know, almost twice as many are able to dial in as opposed to fly to whatever city. So in that sense, it, it can have an even broader reach in this format. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your insights today, Dr. Cannon. This brings us to the end of today's conference special. As always, if you'd like to hear more from us on the latest developments in diabetes, you can subscribe to the podcast across all major apps or stream individual episodes from our website. If you found this episode useful, please leave us a review or tweet us at at DKIPractice on Twitter. You can also access our free accredited CME content at knowledgeinpractice.eu. Thank you for joining, and I look forward to podcasting with you again soon.